As I started to coach more and more people, I started to realize that, oh, a lot of what's happening with people in their health is actually a reflection of what's happening with them in their life. And like me, they might be medicating with food that's not good for them without knowing that the food's not good for them. And the stress produces the food cravings that produces the, the eating that's not good for the individual body mm -hmm. that produces whatever else. Um, there's a real cycle and I am fascinated by that. So a lot of times in my coaching practice, health coaching or life coaching, we always have to talk about what's happening with you. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. So April, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a couple of years now and seeing your transition from technology into coaching. And almost every single time someone says, what do you do for a living? And your response is coaching. I see the wheels turn and their eyes kind of go through all of these possibilities. And I think they must be thinking like little league coach or some kind of like college wrestling coach, or what do you mean by coach? So what is coaching? Right, so coaching comes from the world of sports. We know coaches, coach sports teams. Um, the idea is that athletes are already at the top of their game and they're looking to go to the next level, right? And so coaching comes from that perspective of helping people take their life, health, business, career, relationships to the next level. I was introduced to coaching um, in my software development work. I was making a transition from software development, actually coding, um, to what was known, what's known as agile coaching, um, which helps development teams to perform better and to find their own performance enhancements um, over each iteration that they're working together, two-week span of time or a month span of time or whatever the team may choose. And I went to an Agile coaching um, course taught by Lisa Atkins, and I was she talked about coaching, just professional coaching, and I thought, is that actually a thing? Do people actually professionally coach? Um, not outside of the context of software or sports. Didn't realize that was a real thing until um, I went to investigate it. I've always been a person that um, my family members, my friends always ask me, you know, to help them be healthier, right? Because I seem to know the answers according to them. Not true, but from the outside, that's sometimes what it's appeared to be. And um, it seemed like a natural fit for me to transition into health coaching because I do care about health and I do care about finding natural ways for us to be healthier and to listen to our bodies. You know, everybody hears me say that, uh, Listen to you. If there's one thing that I'm known for, I'm, I'm like the high priestess of listen to your body. Um, it could be tattooed on your forehead. It absolutely <laughs> could be tattooed. Can I, can I, um, I have a difference of opinion. I, I think you do know things about health that other people, that are actually very simple, but that other people don't necessarily think of as related to their health. And so, yes, your friends and family probably recognize something that you thought was something that maybe everyone knew, um, but 
I would I would venture to say that you even before you started training to be a coach, uh, you had a, a pretty good understanding of the body and in different ways that we could help it along with its natural functions. Well, thank you. Um, it, it's rather intuitive for me, and I guess that's where the that's where I, I I feel like everybody knows this stuff, like drink more water and have some more lemon and listen to your body and slow down. And I feel like people. So when I was studying actually the health coaching curriculum um, and I got certified, a lot of it, so much of it resonated with like, well, duh, doesn't everybody know that? Like, does everybody know how terrible stress is on the body and what it does and how it can intercept, how it can affect your weight and intercept how you're feeling? Like so much of what I naturally and intuitively knew, I just assumed everybody knew um, and it resonated. So then it just felt even more so that I, I felt, um, I won't call it a calling, but I felt definitely drawn to help people raise awareness about their own bodies and their own health in ways that they may not have seen. And it comes from my own journey. Like I, um, I've mentioned before on several podcasts that I, or podcasts previously that I, um, my skin rioted um, in 2015. Um, I was stressed at work. Um, I was break, I broke out in terrible riotous acne. Um, it was absolutely stress-induced. It was also um, the cycle that the stress made me eat things that weren't good, but that I was craving, such as uh, I love turkey. Tacos used to make them for my husband at the time. And I wish I could have had these because you've mentioned them multiple times. Man, my turkey tacos are <laughs> epic. And I'm like, turkey's not even that great of a meat. Like, if you're going to eat meat, why turkey? Yeah, but it was dark meat. Uh, and it was, it was special. Anyway, okay. Okay. that's the subject for another podcast. Anyway, I was eating that. No, I mean, I'm seriously, I was eating it like probably uh, once or twice a week because it was easy. Tacos right. are easy, yeah, right? Yeah. Great um, weeknight dinner. Right. Source of protein. Everybody's like, you know, you must have your protein. Nobody's ever protein deficient. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I was also binging on cheese, not mm. realizing that I was binging on cheese, but I absolutely was like. So the stress would cause all kinds of cravings, potato chips and cheese and turkey tacos. And then my skin would respond because it turns out, oh, I have a very serious dairy intolerance. So all the cheese for weeks at a time would just, and your skin is an elimination organ. It takes time though for your skin to eliminate. So there would be layers of elimination happening. So I would never have clean skin because mm. it would be a breakout. And then just about the time that comes, seems like that was dying down, there was another wave. Oh, and by the way, I was continuously eating these things that was affecting my skin. Well, traditional medicine does not point to the idea that, that what's happening on your skin is actually happening in your diet. Um, typically, they, they want to give you a pill. Right. Um, or a cream or a salve or something. Something. And it typically fixes one problem, if it fixes it, and Can breaks two or three other things. Yeah. Uh, my, my great-grandmother was Cherokee, and my, my grandmother, who has been a big influence on me, you're laughing, <laughs> Yeah, what, what black person doesn't think they have Cherokee? <laughs> well, I knew her personally. So, <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, we'll, it's we'll true. Pass on that. We'll it's true, though, because if you go to the African American, not the African American Museum, the um, American Indian Museum mm -hmm. down here in Washington, D.C., there is a portion where they talk about how much of the overlap culturally between um, Indians, American Indians marrying African Americans. So it's all through. 
in this particular case, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just mean, I knew her. her like, yes. <laughs> I'm um, sure. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh yeah, she she had the gold. She was master herbologist. Like, okay. um, and I remember watching her take golden seal, and I yeah. remember like the, literally the seal, and she put the powder in something, and I knew then there was a connection between what we were putting in our bodies and what was showing up for us. Um, so. As I started coaching, I started taking this journey, it felt right. It felt like the thing I needed to do. Um, and so much more so than technology that I just had to pursue it. As I came, as I started to coach more and more people, I started to realize that, oh, a lot of what's happening with people in their health is actually a reflection of what's happening with them in their life. And like me, they might be medicating with food that's not good for them without knowing that the food's not good for them. And the stress produces the food cravings that produces the, the eating that's not good for the individual body mm-hmm. that produces whatever else. Um, there's a real cycle, and I am fascinated by that. So a lot of times in my coaching practice, health coaching or life coaching, we always have to talk about what's happening with you. Like, what's really happening? Like, how well are you sleeping? How is your work? How, is your, how are your relationships? Um, where are you... Where you stuck? Where do you need nourishment in your life, not just food? What's happening for you when you're having a craving? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Are you sad? Um, it's very important to talk about those things because, believe it or not, there is a real trigger. And um, getting present to that trigger can help us to shift it. And in my case, um, I did take medication for my acne because I was under pressure to, like, I mean, my skin Fix was in it. a mess. Um but I realize now it was absolutely stress. And, and, I, and also I was not in alignment with what I really needed to be doing. I was very unhappy with my job, not just the stress element of it, but it wasn't, it's not, wasn't fulfilling in the way that I knew I wanted to be fulfilled with work. Yeah. And getting present to finding coaching was that thing was like, <gasps> That's it. And I'd been searching for a really, really long time. Well, congratulations on finding it. I think most adults, I actually have the benefit of having hardly ever had to work a job that I didn't enjoy. Now, there's always things that we don't like about work, but by and large, I've enjoyed my job. I've had either really good or tolerable managers. I've had uh, coworkers in situations that Uh, we're pretty okay. And so I know that for a lot of people, that's not the case. And so for you to say that you found the thing that you feel great about and doesn't even feel like work to you, um, that's really amazing. Let's go back for a second and talk about, you mentioned coaching in relation to athletics. And I appreciated the analogy because a lot of times whenever we get help, whether it's from um, a therapist or a coach or someone um, of that nature, we tend to think that there's something wrong with us and that that's why we need help. But you said it so perfectly that when I think about, especially the NFL, those athletes are at the top, you know, 5% or even top 1% of all humans who have the skill set that they do. And yet they still have coaches. They have conditioning and strength coaches. They have position coaches. They have a head coach. I mean, there are people that they probably have coaches outside of that that help them on the off season. And so, When you think of athletes, you don't think of people who are weak and need help. You think of superstars who are trying to maintain or 
burst through um, even the neck, that plateau that they feel like they've reached, despite the fact that hundreds of thousands of people, you know, spend money to watch them every weekend. So how has your coaching helped, you know, people kind of get to the next level in their lives? Right. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an important distinction. First, let me slow down a little bit because people sometimes ask me like, so coaching is like therapy? And the distinction being that therapy, you're, you're going to, therapists help you walk back, right, to what brought you to this point. And, and without necessarily knowing what the outcome, the desired outcome is, walking back to, okay, what my parents did, where I developed this trait, this characteristic, why am I feeling this way, dealing with these things. And sometimes we talk about that in coaching, but coaching, the distinction is therapy takes you back, coaching moves you forward, drives you forward. So leading from the place that you want to be, again, using the analogy of athletes where nobody thinks anything's wrong with them. They, they see another level and they're like, I want to go there. Okay, so coaching is to get you to the next level and leading your growth from the current moment from that place in the future. Um, and that's what I have learned is specifically that men are sometimes hostile to therapy because, and not just men, but women seem to be, at least in my experience, more open to the idea of exploring their feelings. Um, and men are very much so like, I don't need therapy and there's nothing wrong with me. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with you, but is there something else that you want? And that's where coaching I find that men are more—they're um, more apt to accept coaching um, over therapy. And don't get me wrong; I feel like you need both. Sometimes people need both. Um, so I know I do. <laughs> and, and I've done therapy as well, absolutely. Um, and it's helpful to to get to a certain place. But therapy is more like talking through your feelings. It's not so much about driving from a goal, driving toward a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where the distinction is. Um, so in my coaching practice, um, I started to branch out from health coaching to life coaching also. I've since started coaching on confidence because I am struck by this idea of um, people owning who they are and feeling comfortable in their own skin. In any room, regardless of who's in the room with them. Uh, and so in my coaching practice, I've helped um, I had one client who, in three conversations, went from struggling with his job search to, boom, nailed the job, um, signing bonus, training, et cetera. Um, also, got the girl, <laughs> um, which he wanted. So um, he's struggling with dealing with, his, um, dealing with his parents to get them to accept his desires over what they wanted for him. And he needed to step out on his own and be his own man, and he did. So uh, there was that. I had another client who lost um, 30 pounds as a result of just really listening to her body. Um, I had a, another client who came to me and she just recently, actually, she's not even a client yet. We had our first discovery call and uh, she was struggling with you know, the idea of wanting to open a tea shop and feeling that it wasn't the right thing because of all the other stuff that comes up for people. She's like, well, I'm in grad school. Uh, I'm married. We want to have kids. Um, 
And I just don't feel like it's the right time. I don't know. I mean, what would my mom say? There was all this stuff coming up for her. Mm -hmm. But when we really got connected to her truth, the tea shop for her was so much bigger. Um, it was the reason she, it, it was, she wanted to bring together space, uh, create a space for community to come together. It was not just about having a place to have tea. It was, it was this much larger connected to a purpose um, endeavor and so much more so than having kids or going to grad school and getting clear about that, she cried. Um, it was really life altering for her. And that's, so that's what I get out of it as a coach. And my clients routinely report feeling calm and clear about what they should do next. And not because I've told them, but because they've discovered it on their own, which is the powerful piece because parents can tell you what to do. Friends can tell you what to do. Coaches help you discover it for yourself, which is so much more impactful. And it's, 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 it's the client's outcome. It's the client's heart's desire. It's not the coach's right. or anybody else's. Yeah, I've worked with a couple of coaches in my life. And that's one of the things I appreciate is that you get an opportunity to have someone help you really listen to what's important. Because in the course of talking about something, you may not recognize how many times you bring up a subject or how your voice changes or how your eyes light up or um, how a smile dances across your face. But that person that's listening to you is trained and in tune to what you're saying and how you're saying it and what it means to you. And so I found that they've helped me make discoveries about things that otherwise I probably would have just like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Kind of like the tea shop with the client you just mentioned. So it really can be powerful for helping um, us recognize or potentially tear down some wall that we've created around something that um, we need to we need to move past in order to make progress. Right. Yeah. We often are blocked by not our heart's desire. The heart is always clear about what it wants. That isn't to say we should act on the heart's desire because people it's do, not scriptural. Well, it's <laughs> true. And people do stuff that's, you know, they were moved to do, but it was wrong. Like right. you were moved to lie. It was wrong. Men and women cheat on their spouses. It was wrong. Okay. Your heart desire, but <laughs> uh, dishonest. So the heart is always clear about what it wants, but we tell the story about what that means. So, um, in the case of like, uh, I had a client who, or a potential client came to me and she was stuck on wanting to write a book. And she wanted to write the book under a pseudonym, pseudonym because she didn't want to, um, you know, she wanted to protect the innocent or the guilty. I wasn't quite sure. She was protecting someone. Mm -hmm. But in that conversation, it became clear that she was blocked because she, she, she was kind of hiding some parts of the story and, and obfuscating some of it to protect. And it wasn't allowing her to live like full out this story and communicate it in a way that would nail the goal that she wanted. Um, and so the idea is that we get present to what's really happening to get unstuck. Um, people have these, lots of ideas about what they say, what they they think something means mm -hmm. about them. Mm -hmm. um, I got, I have clients that say um, they feel that asking for help 
makes them weak. Mm-hmm. Or being sick makes them weak. Yeah. Um, and so that's the story. The story is this makes me weak, but in fact, okay, let's talk about why that why you think that's true. Where did that story come from? Is this really your story or did you pick this up from somewhere? And is it true? And a lot of times it's not. The, the people that I coach are bosses. They nail their stuff, like slay all day, take care of everybody else. And they're not taking care of themselves because uh, there's a story there. Like, you know, I need to take care of everyone else. I need to make sure everyone else is okay at the sacrifice of their own health because they feel like I'm not that important. Or sometimes it's love. This is how they understand love. Love means I expend myself 100% for other people. doesn't matter if I eat. Doesn't matter if I eat right. Doesn't matter if I work out. That's that's how that's what you do. That's what you do as a woman, or that's what you do as a, as, a, as a father. Like, and in fact, it's it's not true because when we are able to be our healthful selves, we are able to serve in a much better capacity in a much fuller way. It's the analogy of put your own mask on before you put on someone else's. But the story tells us, and we pick the stuff from our families, and you know, the story is. You need to, you need to take care of everybody else. And the thing also that people don't realize is that taking, if we spend our time expending our energy um, and exhausting ourselves in the service of other people, that's beautiful, except it can be a burden if it's not balanced. And it becomes a thing of resentment, mm-hmm. real resentment. Especially if they've delayed or pushed off the things that would bring them happiness in favor of helping the family get to whatever they think is required for them to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, confidence a little while ago, and um, we've we've both taken and talked extensively about the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator. And so for those who are unfamiliar, you can just Google that very phrase, Myers-Briggs, and it'll tell you that there are 16 personality types (laughs) that can be defined based on introversion and extroversion, intuition versus sensing, feeling versus thinking, and then judging versus, well, you would say perspecting, but I think it's um, perception, but yeah. And so there are a couple of tests that have a fifth letter at the end uh, that would be a turbulent or assertive. And so um, uh, the only reason I bring this up is that turbulence typically are, well, how would you describe a turbulent versus an assertive? So uh, turbulence are um, easily stressed. They put a lot of pressure on themselves, usually perfectionists um, of of varying degrees. Um, And they also hustle for worthiness. So they generally are looking for validation from the external sources. Um, And they're very sensitive to not getting it. Um, What I find is that turbulence are very susceptible to just that kind of, um, just that kind of uh, operational mode, if you will. And it's like, I'm going to serve everybody else today and I'm going to make sure everybody else has what they need. And they slay and they do excellent and then they're exhausted mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or unhappy because they haven't gotten what they needed, especially if they don't get the validation. 
So as an extrovert, right, where I'm driven by the external world and a sensor, where I'm not necessarily making choices and decisions based on my intuition, but on information and facts that I can pick up around me. And as a turbulent, <laughs> which means that I'm driven to please others and, and gain their approval as opposed to being motivated internally. Um, I think the issue, the question of confidence is, is a really good one because in my mind, everyone, everyone is like me, right? That's, that's driven by the external world, looking to fulfill the needs of others and um, put themselves in a position to be of assistance to someone. Um, and yet assertives, if you could describe that, have a very different view of the world, which I think would make them maybe more naturally confident. So not necessarily, but um, so assertives are, um, they tend not to put a lot of stress on themselves. They're your kind of go with the flow, let's just see, see what happens. And not to see what happens, it depends on the rest of their personality type, but they, they tend not to be easily stressed. Um, they tend to have much stronger boundaries around what they will do and what not, what not and what they won't do. Um, and they're not as susceptible to what other people think. So they're your I don't care, mm -hmm. you know, kind of people. Or they care, but only to a certain extent. And they will f be able to sleep just fine at night <laughs> if they didn't do the five million things on their list. So there is that distinction between one that's this kind of hustling and one that is turbulence, hustling for worthiness, hustling, hustling to belong, hustling to prove that they are loved. Um, what I found in practice is that turbulence are hustling for love, whereas assertives just know they're loved. And to the point of confidence, that's a big part of it. Um, knowing that, knowing that you belong in this room, regardless of who's in the room, that you are loved and accepted personally, that you love and accept yourself, right? Um, and that is a big part of confidence because when you have that, you're, you don't, don't care what other people think. All right. So I would love to be able to tap into just feeling loved and not want to feel like I have to hustle for love. So how can you help people like me? So I'm putting together, um, well, first, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, that is one thing that I offer. And in January, January 19th, 19, um, putting together the Confident Woman Intensive, one-day intensive. It's going to be in Alexandria, Virginia. And it's an intimate experience for women to come together, um, very intimate, less than 10 women. Um, we're practicing how to burst through barriers, to get in touch with our fears, to know ourselves, to own our identity. Um, confidence is that beautiful quality of being able to know that you are loved and accepted, lovable, as well as um, being able to recognize your own strengths and weaknesses and the strengths and weaknesses in others and not feel threatened because they belong and you belong. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction between confidence and arrogance. Right, recognizing your weaknesses and that people can be different and yet still belong. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. Confidence is not the same as arrogance, to your point, because it's not loud. Confidence is not the kind of thing that's like, let me show you all my accomplishments. That's I'm the greatest. That's something else. Yeah. <laughs> we could Which name that later. Often <laughs> see with athletes. <laughs> 
Um, confidence doesn't have to yell from the mountaintops. It just is. Mm -hmm. She just, she or he just knows. Uh, okay, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be right. Doesn't say anything about me if I'm wrong and I'm willing to say, okay, I was wrong about that. Um, and move on. And more specifically why I want, this is interesting topic and why I wanted to put together this intensive is because I meet so many people who have dreams. We talk with kids about what their dreams, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be this, I want to be an astronaut. And when they're small, we tell them, you can be anything, anything you, you want, want, baby. But when, tell that same 21-year-old who says, I want to join the circus, and we say, get serious. What's wrong with you? It's not a real job. <laughs> And I come in contact with so many people who have dreams that they have deferred because they felt that they needed to be sensible or because they felt that they needed to go to grad school because mom told them that they should be a doctor first. They should get a real job so they have a plan B. Mm -hmm. This is all air quote. And then go and do the thing you love. And Or they're just delaying it until they're retired because they think they have to live a certain kind of life. Yes. From schooling to, you know, their 60s. Yes. And so to have that confidence to say, you know what, this is what I want. Stepping up to it with that full energy, like this is what I want for myself, for my life. And saying, I'm going to go in spite of the fear. I'm going to go in spite of the noise. I'm going to go in spite of the programming that I got from other people. Having that confidence to go forward, that's what I want to see people experience. Because when you do, you realize we are so powerful mm -hmm. in of our own right um, we are so capable of accomplishing whatever we set our minds to. And much of the reason we don't is not because we can't. It's because we don't think we can. And I, I, I just, it's just so powerful to see people step into all that they are and create whatever it is that's beautiful for them. It feels good. I personally have done it um, in the last year. It feels really good. And I want other people to feel that too. And to know that, okay, have your tea shop, write your book, um, build that nomadic life. Uh, you Get deserve the job it. and the girl. Get the job <laughs> and the girl. Yeah. So how do people, I know there are only a few spots left, but how do people join you for this intensive on January 19th, 2019? So we will put a link to the intensive discounted link. I'm going to open it up to subscribers only. I have a discount for subscribers only, and I'm going to open that up for the Jealous Vegan audience. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll also put it on Instagram um, in our feed. And yeah, it's basically click the link, read the details if you like, and pay right there. And we're looking forward to seeing some beautiful women uh, who want to go boldly in the direction of their dreams. So it's women only for this for this go, it is. I specifically want, I want to see women come out and get leveled up. Um, it's also making sure I wanted, I wanted it to be intimate. And I feel like in order to do that, sometimes it's creating safety means that it's women only. I do, though, have, of course, I'm itching to do something for guys, but <laughs> stay tuned, guys. Yes. I'm not going to leave you out. Good, good, good. Well, thank you, April. It was good to have a chance to talk to you about what you are clearly so passionate about. And I know you're helping people get to the next level in their lives. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media at The Jealous Vegan on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. 
or at thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.